SEO This Week. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of SEO This Week presented by Digital Lear. I'm your host, Clint Butler, and this is episode 51, where we're going to talk about TV on Facebook, some SEO worksheets, copy, A-B testing, and a whole lot more. So welcome to episode 51, SEO This Week. So now that awkward introduction is out of the way, <laughs> I welcome you to episode 51. Uh, I skipped a week because I was at a Google conference, and they kind of want to start off uh, sharing that information with you. So let me go ahead and dig out my notes. Uh, I'm going to go not really too quickly through this, but just kind of give you the highlights of some things that I... That I um, that I learned. So basically what it was, was four days at the Google Seattle office, started at nine, stayed there till four, uh, sat in two hours traffic to get there, sat in two hours traffic to get home. But really it was, it was worth it for me, uh, not only in the, uh, some of the networking with the other agencies in the Seattle area, uh, met a couple guys from Idaho, I uh, met some agency guys from uh, Salt Lake City, so it was you know it was good for the networking. But we also got some good information out of it uh, from Google. So with that, we're going to I'll go ahead and go into this. First day opened off the the entire thing with the uh, with the quote is data without a story is useless. Now they use this uh, in part of the, uh, AdWords training that we did. It was two days. We did nothing, but we looked at AdWords and stuff. And uh, it's interesting to hear how they're, they're looking at the data that they collect and then being able to actually turn that into uh, a story. Like what does the data mean? So your analytics, the, for example, your traffic, your page views, uh, your click through rate, uh, all that stuff is how do you turn that into a story so it relates to your clients a little bit better so they understand it so we're not babbling uh, techno junk at them. Uh, and that was pretty good. So they looked at the four marketing uh, objectives, which was uh, build awareness, influence consideration, drive action, or grow loyalty. Those are the four marketing objectives that AdWords uh, is attempting to solve. So we got that. That was pretty interesting. Uh, let's see. What else is there? What is the average sale client spend? Those are some questions that they are asking. Explain the importance of quality score and how to approve it. Explain how ad rank and the ad auction works. Explain how you would measure results for AdWords and explain the value of ad extensions. Now, those four topic points are actually good for you when you're actually pre-selling uh PPC management, or you're trying to get your boss on board. So you explain how the quality score works, how to improve it, how ad rank works, and how the auction works. So there, you kind of demystify out of it, especially if you got people who are looking at their own panels, uh, and if they know a little bit about what they're seeing inside of their AdWords accounts, it makes it a little bit better for them. Uh, some questions for your clients goes into the what is the average sale, the average client spend, if 10 people click or call, how many turn into customers, and what is the lifetime value of the customer. So you ask those three questions, and then you answer those four questions, and then you can kind of get on to it. Uh, a couple of resources they gave was Think with Google. I think most of us have seen that. If you haven't, it's pretty much an email slash blog uh, and it just kind of gives you some good insights daily, every other day kind of information. Uh, it's pretty good. And then there's a profit-driven marketer. So Google, profit-driven marketer. And they have something like uh, that supports that whole concept uh, and goes along with those questions that I, I just mentioned before. Uh, if you're trying to sell uh, marketing to your boss, you're trying to sell SEO or PPC to your boss, kind of uses credit score analogy that they gave us. This is actually pretty good. So the higher your credit score, the lower the interest rate. The higher your quality score, the lower the bid requirement. 
was kind of how the, the credit score analogy worked. I think it'll kind of work too with your uh, with your SEO guys. So the higher credit score, the lower the interest rate, the higher quality of your site, the higher uh, your or the the lower uh, it the less it requires of you to build links or that kind of thing. You kind of play with that one. I did that one off the fly, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, and then you promote your relationship with Google. If you're a Google partner, a badge Google partner, not just in the partners program, but you're a badge Google partner, that's something that you can show off. Uh, if you did like I did, you go to these Google trainings and you're trained by Google to to kind of do this stuff, then. Highlight that as well. Don't be ashamed that of your relationship with them. There, you know, you're leveraging this platform to make money, so uh, you might as well leverage it. Go full out versus trying to be uh, do like some people are doing and pretending they're on this high horse, but really they're just doing the same thing that you are is leveraging Google to make money. So let's you know, let's be fair and honest with ourselves and what we're doing. Take advantage of that and show it off. Uh. Another thing you can tell your clients, let's say if they are coming at you, you know it's going to cost a thousand dollars a month, and they come and say, well, I only want to invest two fifty. You can just go ahead and answer the same thing. Uh, just kind of do this ethically. If you don't have the right budget, it's just not going to work. So you know, save your money and do something else, and kind of walk away from that client or that you know that opportunity. Um, you can follow it up with we can build the best ad campaign if you don't fund it properly it just won't work and then uh, so i think that's pretty cool some features that are, i wanted to get into this there's some six uh attribution models so there's last click first click time decay linear position based and data driven uh unless you're spending a lot of money you're not going to get access to data driven but actually turn on the attribution models in your adwords campaigns uh with uh, linear and start there then you can play around with the rest of them uh the last click and first click are actually not even recommended to use so they're kind of there but really uh google's saying use the linear position based or time decay for for the most of us for the average folks who don't have this ungodly ad spend uh, they can't get into the data-driven thing. That was pretty cool. Uh, they did mention that they're, what they're looking for for page speed for mobile is two to three seconds. So if your page speed, if your site is loading in two to three seconds, uh, particularly on a mobile device, you're good to go. Don't get it all wrapped up around the axle. We shoot for two to three seconds in our page speed optimization service. So uh, I think that just kind of validates for us that we're on the right track. Uh, enhanced cost per tip helps the account or does nothing at all. So if you were thinking about using enhanced CPC option inside of your AdWords, uh, just go ahead and just know that it's either going to help you or it's not going to do anything at all. And that's kind of straight out from Google. Uh, if you're running uh, Google AdWords grants for uh, nonprofits, we are too. They're actually they throttle down uh, Google Grants Pro, which is where you upgrade your clients from 10k to 40k. They slowed that down a little bit, but now they're gonna are actually going to be bringing that back, uh, which is good. And we asked when the full requirement to switch over from the old AdWords to the new one. They couldn't give us an exact date, but they did reply with winter is coming. So I think it's probably closer than it is far away at this point. They did say it was 80% done uh, and they're adding new features to it as we speak. So I think that'll kind of work out. Well, let's see what else. Uh, remarketing lists for search ads. We're using remarketing and using the display network, but they're saying the remarketing list for search ads too should leverage those. They're actually doing really good. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's an interesting data that they have was that 75% of all purchases start on a mobile, but they end on a desktop so this kind of goes along with what i always surmised is that mobile is great for information you're watching videos that kind of stuff but not so much for conversions people aren't doing it i know i don't do it i research something i find it and okay that's great then i save the, the bookmark uh, icloud makes that easy uh, on my iphone 
and then I go back and buy it on my desktop. So people are doing that uh, as well. But so 75% of people do, are doing that as well. And then finally, I want to get into some new products that they're offering. If you are a badge Google partner and you have a Google rep, you give them a call and they pray and you see about turning these on for you. These are all in beta right now. So um, the general populace can't get them. So take advantage of that if you have a, uh, if you have a uh, partner. If you are a badge partner and you have a representative, you can get a hold of them. So one is visual site links. You already know you can put your like, homepage, about page, contact us, and there's four of them, and I'll show it underneath your ad. The visual site links is taking it and turning it into a carousel, and each one of those pages, the contact us, about page, blah, 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 will all have images with them, which is really cool. Uh, they have a promotion extension, so if you're offering a 20% coupon, for example, you can actually add the promotion extension. So your ad will show, and then underneath it, there's your 20% coupon uh, information. Uh, shoppable for TrueView ads is there. Uh, shopping showcase ads is coming. Life events, happy birthdays, those kind of things. You're getting married, uh, that kind of stuff. Those are being turned on here soon. Uh, they're in beta. You, again, you can ask the, for those. Uh, consumer patterns on YouTube and Gmail. They're taking away, they removed the, what they were used to do is scan your emails and then find out what you're talking about and then show you ads. Now they're just kind of showing the affinities kind of thing. Uh, so, and they enhance that by adding consumer patterns for YouTube and Gmail. Uh, in market audiences for search, which is really cool. Uh, and capture shoppers with YouTube location extensions. This is awesome. So let's say you do a uh, review video for a television, and you have a store that sells televisions. You, know, you have your video up, you run your video ad, that displays as normal, and then underneath that will be a location setting to actually tell them how to get to your site to buy the TV, or you can they can click the website and all that shows in conversions. So you essentially take over the entire page with these different ad blocks. They showed us to us in a uh, inside of mobile, um, but it would be nice to see that going on uh, regular YouTube as well. So I think for us, we're going to call and get our clients turned on to the promotions extensions and probably that capture shoppers uh, with YouTube extensions. Uh, those are the two we're. Re I'm really excited about, and then I'm crazy excited about life events. So, as an affiliate, you can think about what you can do with the birthdays and anniversaries and all that kind of stuff. So, that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, if you're looking at making uh, YouTube ads and you want an easy way to do it, they pointed out YouTube Director. I looked at that the other day. It looks pretty interesting. Uh, if you're using Google forwarding numbers in your ads, uh, Google will use a Google number will be a local number. Or if it's not available, to make it a 1-800 number. Uh, type the question. Let's see what else. Maximize. 90% of users are on 2 million sites. Those are the, that's for the Google Display Network. So there's 2 million sites. 90% of the users that are leveraging Google and their ads are on these 2 million sites. With 1,750 topics, so take advantage of the Google Mo Google Display Network if you can. Let's see. And there's going to be a couple of audiences types in there, in-market audience and customer affinity audiences. So that's pretty cool uh, that you can take advantage of that as well. Uh, the rest of it was really sales stuff. Uh, I won't bore you with it, but I will tell you that uh, it was pretty good pretty it was really 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 good actually um and uh i'd like to i i, I kind of debated well, do i want to share that with everybody because you know it, it's it was awesome <laughs> and then if i can share it how am i going to do that so i might add that to a presentation especially my uh, seo rockstars presentation uh, that's coming up. Uh, you can reach out to me if you want a link. Find me on Facebook, or maybe I'll just start promoting that more because I am talking, uh, speaking at it. So, um, but really, that was a it. 
if you get an opportunity to take the account managers training with Google and the sales training with Google, do it. Even if you're not a sales guy or gal, uh, it's really, really good. And it helped me a lot and helped me kind of refine my process. It's going to help in uh, the webinars that we're going to start doing. It's going to help in all kinds of things. So I, th I hope you uh, if you seek that out and seek that training opportunity. Uh, it's it's really well worth it. The guys that are doing it is not Google. Google pays these people to come in and train all the quote unquote Googlers. Uh, Apple is looking at them to train all the people in their Apple stores. They've tra and they've trained you know like uh, Hotels.com and all kinds of other people. Uh, and it's honestly, it was probably one of the best and easiest ways to set up a sales call, make introductions with people, especially if you're, you know, if you're an introvert like me, uh, setting agendas for your meetings, uh, and making a pitch, doing your 30 and 90 second commercials, all that stuff. They gave you a process for it. So versus, Hey, just write this out and talk, you know, this 30 second commercial, they gave you actual step-by-steps. Uh, of what to do and where to put it and how to say it and it, and it made it easy uh, and not only to you, you kind of get through that especially again if you're an introvert like me you just you know you don't publicly go out and talk to people every day uh, by design by personality type and this makes it easy for you to get through that and get through that process so I think you're gonna you should really take advantage of that again uh, I might put together my notes and do a whole webinar on that. And if I do, I'll let the mailing list know and my Facebook group. Uh, so if you're not in a member of one of those, you should go ahead and sign up uh, on the website. Get on the list uh, so you know what those are coming at. You're going to really enjoy it. Okay, so our first blog is Kissmetric blog. It is uh, what Facebook Watch will mean for marketers. If you don't know what this is, you haven't heard about it, basically... You know how YouTube and all the other streaming channels are kind of bringing in so you can show live sporting events, all that stuff, especially, you know, like what they cited here is like Major League Baseball. You can watch Major League Baseball on Facebook. They're actually getting or, or testing it out and trying it with the big publishers, but they're supposedly going to bring it out so that everyone can leverage this. I think it's a great opportunity. Let's say you're doing a show like SEO this week, for example. You're publishing it. You can create a, a TV show for SEO this week or your business or whatever and kind of gain a little bit more exposure. Instead of you know just pushing out YouTube videos, I think of it as YouTube Live, but it's TV and now it's on Facebook. So you're getting more engagement and you're getting more exposure for you and your business. And I think it's going to be... A pretty cool opportunity for marketers just to leverage and reach those people on Facebook a little bit better. A couple uh, bonus features that are part of this is once you have a show, it actually connects your show and creates a Facebook group to the show. So all the people who watch your show can go into the Facebook group and interact, uh, which really kind of boosts the 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 touch points from this and you can kind of you know if you want to if you're into the marketing thing you monetize them that way you're doing something like i do with seo this week you can interact talk about the stories and then maybe if they like what you got to say they reach out to you to be clients of yours that kind of stuff so i think it's a pretty cool uh concept and i'm looking forward to when they roll it out to everybody it is uh Again, they're just using it right now for big publishers, but I think it's going to be a good opportunity. So you can read a little bit more about that on the Kissmetrics blog. And next, you look at marketing professors, and it's how to find anyone's business email address. There's plenty of tools to do this. You can use, uh, you know, Find That Lead, uh, Lead Kahuna, all kinds of scrapers. There's all kinds of software to do this. But what this one tells you is just kind of how to do it manually using search operators in uh, Google. I won't go deep into it, but basically you just use a search operator, find, search out the person in the website you want to talk to, uh, scan around, and then eventually you peel and peel back the onion and find their email address. Then you use an email checker to verify it works, and then you send them out. Simple to do, uh, especially if you're just kind of doing one-offs. If you're targeting specific, very specific people, 
uh, and you don't need a bulk list. But if you're looking for a bulk list, this manual stuff, that's for the birds. Buy some software. Uh, I use or we use Lead Kahuna uh, in conjunction, and we also use Link Assistant when we're doing our guest posting stuff. So uh, go that route instead. Next is Small Business Trends, 10 Facebook PPC Tips to Make Your Life Easier. This one's pretty good. Uh, I, I actually like it. If you've read anything about Facebook PPC, then you probably already know some of the, most of this stuff. Uh, it was all rehash cap or stuff for me. So, um, but good good things to point out. Facebook pixels. You know, honestly, we have that on the website, our site. We just never used it forever, uh, and, and finally to put it on there and just kind of build an audience that way. Know the Facebook ad guidelines, the remarket like a professional. You know, if you're actually creating a remarketing list, it's going to take you a little bit, especially if you don't have a lot of traffic. Uh, Digital Ear, you know, we get two, one, 200 visitors a day. Not a whole lot, but, you know, it's enough. Um, and we're, you know, we, we'd like to see that go up, but it took time to build that that audience, that custom audience on Facebook in order to use remarketing. So go ahead and uh, try that out. Scale your campaigns, use high-quality images, A-B testing, uh, audience insights for validation. That's probably the highlight for this post for me is audience insights uh, and that tool. You know, It gives you your demographics. It helps you narrow down that customer avatar a whole lot better. Uh, so I would try that out, especially if you're going to get into e-com stuff. You can you know, figure out by um, age, sex, marital status, all that stuff in order to uh, set your targeting just right. Um, but for the most part, again, this was a rehash for me, but check out that audience insights section. I think you're going to like the, the data in there. Then get into your Facebook audience insights uh, in your own account and check it out and see what's available to you. Practical e-commerce, holiday email marketing. Said last uh, the last episode that it's probably uh, a good time to start thinking about Christmas uh, and in your holidays. Honestly, it's August, September is the is when you should start be promoting for your December campaigns and getting all that stuff in line, uh, running some PPC to test the conversions and all that stuff. So when you fire it off in your heavy buying season, you know, end November, all of December into Cyber Monday in January or in, yeah, into Cyber Monday, then you want to, all that stuff needs to be there. Cyber Monday, Black Friday, all that stuff. It's got to be done. Uh, so one of the biggest highlights I got out of this is that there's no one, uh, based off of what, you know, they're, they're, the data source that they got, there's no one mailing people, emailing people during lunchtime. Uh, but people normally check or sending their emails late in the day, at night, or, or throughout the morning. But they're skipping the lunchtime. So we're going to try that out. And so instead of sending our uh, outreach for blog, for our outreach services, or sending uh, for clients the cold email process that we go through, uh, instead of sending it in the morning or in the evening, we'll send it at lunchtime. That Here's the, I think the thought process behind this is, if no one else is sending at lunchtime, someone in their office, you know, they... They leave for lunch, they come back, the first thing they do is check their emails, see what happens, right? So now no one else is sent, or the the volume is really low, uh, so you're more likely to get read than if you send it when everyone else is doing it. You know, I know the first thing I do is get in there, push the shift uh, control button and start deleting, you know, 30, 40 emails a day uh, before I, and then pick out the ones that I want to read and at lunchtime, I'm more likely to go through one by one and check things out. So I think it's a good opportunity for you to just try it out. Uh, I'm not saying that it will work, but it's probably a good concept behind it. Uh, send elapsed customers, you know, people who bought for you and just never came back. Uh, check out your sales, maybe, and then request feedback for customers. We've talked about that before. Um, building your re your review system, getting a plan for that. Maybe even, you know, you're changing your logo and send your customer in like four or five different versions just so that you can say, hey, I value your your opinion. Uh, can you help me out? Uh, the next site is SEO by the C is using Ngram phrase models to generate site quality scores. So to put this in a little bit more of English, Ngram is... Uh, word strings, so two, three, four, even up to five 
Graham phrase. And then what it's looking is using the machine as the algorithm, kind of using that to determine your quality. This pain, this came out back in like the panda-ish days. Uh, and that's pr it's pretty much what's driving uh, the panda algorithm. Now they are expanding it with this new um, patent. And basically what it, they're going to do, or what the patent says they're going to do, is actually look at your anchor text as well. So if you don't know what anchor text is, it's, you know, you have a backlink on a site and then your backlink says click here. Well, click here is your anchor text. Uh, and SEOs use anchor text in order to, the, to boost the relevancy of a page for a specific term in order to, in the hopes of uh, increasing the rankings. So now they're going to use this, this software, this patent, these, these engrams to look at your uh, anchor text couple of things that they did point out is that it takes a lot of processing power to pull this off so not every website is going to get a quality score so my biggest question came out of or at the end of the day for this was if not every website is going to get looked at and get scored which sites will google deem enough to grade so i think that's a good uh, you can read that conversation in the comment section with bill and i uh and and get his opinions on it and what you think is left i think it's going to be kind of along the big things uh that uh i think that you know those big sites that google um loves because they send a lot of ad traffic to them will ultimately be the ones that get graded quality score uh, so you know could you add adsense to your site to help help increase the opportunity that you're going to get a quality score i'm sure that's a possibility uh you want to try it out i, I also go along the lines that i don't think google's going to publish uh, this information uh, regardless so the whole page rank system's dead uh, and i don't see that coming back anytime soon so what does this mean for us? Well, honestly, what it's probably just stay stay the course uh, with your anchor text and how you're building your backlinks, etc. Just making you know good quality sites. Don't put out gibberish out there uh, and expect to rank. Small business trends, uh, believing these three myths can duplicate content will keep your business from growing. Duplicate content. Google has said it. I've said it. Other SEOs have said it. I just don't know how how much more to tell you. Is there is no duplicate content penalty. Now, let's say you have ten pages on your website and they all have the exact same thing, and Google ranks number one of them for number one. They're not going to rank the other nine pages on your website. They're going to filter that out. But that's not a penalty. That's a filter. So let's be clear on that. So. If you're ranking, trying to rank multiple pages for the same keyword, uh, then you're going to run into the filter, not a penalty, and it's not a duplicate content issue. So just be cognizant of that. A couple things that, you know, it's on your site. Local is really, really, you, you can get away with a lot more duplicate content on your site because it's just the nature of a local website. Google knows it. Google understands it. And that's why some of those mass page builder stuff uh, works so well with minimal changes in between the different pages because Google kind of expects that. And those guys are leveraging that using mass page builders. I don't suggest you do that. It's eventually they're just going to Google's going to go through and quality score your site and see what you did and just kill it anyway. So um, based off a of manual review, but the the algorithm is not going to be to penalize you or to demote your pages because it's all the same so just know that that happens it's it's there uh you can take some care of some of that stuff using uh if you're on wordpress using yoast and, and things but it's not going to kill you okay scrapers is next and that's uh when people like let's say you have rss feed or they're using some software, they go to your website, take all your stuff, and then change it a little bit, and then post it up there. Is that really going to hurt you? Well, if your page is indexed, and it's ranking number one, for instance, for a thing, and someone goes and takes it, then Google's not going to give them the credit over yours in all cases. Now, that, that's not to mean that it won't ever happen. I've seen it happen. 
uh, where you take one page and you put the content on a more authoritative site uh, and that more authoritative site takes over. That's just something you kind of, it's authority and backlinks and all that stuff that you kind of have to deal with. Um, but if it's your content, it's got a backlink on it. Is it necessarily a bad thing if all roads point to you? So uh, kind of think of it that way. Uh, there are scrapers. They do take content. It does, you know, give webmasters a headache um, because, again, if they're putting it on sites that have more power, especially if you got a brand new website and they take your content and put it on a more authoritative thing, it's going to outrank your content. Uh, but everything will work out in a wash. That's just why it's really important that you're indexing your stuff as soon as you publish it. Use the Search Console uh, submit tool uh, and, and get your stuff indexed as soon as you publish it. And now it's in there and that's yours. You're the original source. Uh, if they find more stuff, uh, for the most part, they're going to filter everyone else out and keep yours there because you are the original content poster. Again, you can beat it with authority sites. Uh, or sites with more authority than yours, but it's just one way to do it. And I just, you know, honestly don't worry about it <clears throat> in so much as, you know, putting things where you're blocking the right clicks and all that other stuff. It's just, uh, it's just a headache. Uh, and if they're sharing your stuff and you get some backlinks, you get some mentions to your website, then it's good for you uh, in the end because they're kind of promoting you anyway. Uh, and they're just doing it on your, on your site. So uh, look at it, but... Honestly, don't waste a whole lot of time with it. I know people that run around and chase people all over the internet and threaten DCMAs and all that other stuff. It's just, you know, that's not making you any money. Uh, so why bother? Go on to the next piece of content or enhance the content that was quote-unquote stolen uh, to make it ten times better because now you know that it's, you know, people who like it and it's quality uh, and you enhance it and promote it even more and then you're good to go. Uh, and then there's no way to reuse content is myth number three. One thing I like to point out, especially when someone says this, you shouldn't reuse your content. SEO this week uh, is published in PDF format. It's published in uh, video format. We do the podcast on iTunes. Uh, and I used to actually put it on to uh, other sites as well. But honestly, it just got too much work. But it wasn't hurting me because it was leveraging other powers and it was linking back to SEO this week. Uh, and it's, you know, the page is linking back to my site. It's building my brand. So go ahead and do it. If you're, you know, if you put out an epic piece of content, we did the on-page SEO guide, for example. It's 17,000 words, I think is what it ended up being. Uh, probably a little bit less. I'm, I forget the word count. But we put it on uh, on on PDF, too. And you upload that to SlideShare. That's you know, that's exposure for you. That's exposure for your business. So uh, do it. Promote your content. If it means copying it and sending it and putting it on a different site. Again, if the site that you're putting it on has more authority than yours, you're gonna it's going to outrank you. But who cares? Because it's your content. Your call to actions are in there. Your branding is in there. It's all about you and your business. And that's more exposure for you. So if you take over the top five sites or you know listings for your target keyword with all of your uh other properties and your site is last it doesn't matter you still own the top five sites uh so you know that's kind of how i look at it it's not going to kill you to to use those things so uh that's where that's going next we go to the moz blog is 10 things that do not directly affect your google rankings the whiteboard friday Okay, so I'll go through this and talk about each one of these things, especially if you're listening to the podcast. So number one is the age of your website. I found that the age of your website does not matter. I have a couple of websites registered in the 90s. Nothing. I'm not getting anything out of that. Uh, no extra boost in rankings. And I can't see anyone else that says that uh, an age domain is getting more special treatment in the rankings. I will say that age domains... Uh, take a little bit less work uh, at the end because there's kind of a, a trust pattern that goes on there. Um, but that's really, if it's already been indexed, it's still indexed. Google knows, likes, and trusted. It's been in there for a while. It's already established itself. No one's, you know, spammed it to hell. Uh, then if you can get access to those kind of sites, then go for it, or domains, then go for it. 
uh, and keep the site and carry over and just build upon that. And then you might get, that's the, the quote unquote domain authority of it is already there. Uh, so that in that case, it might help you. So if you have you have an opportunity to buy an established site versus starting a new one, then go with the established one all day long. Uh, number two is whether you do or do not use Google services or apps. Uh, yeah, if you're buying, like, if you're using AdSense on your sites or you use Google Docs, the Google Apps paid thing, you have Google Analytics, then Google really doesn't care. Uh, in so much as a ranking thing, but it does help establish your brand and your brand trust with Google. Uh, and we've tested that and seen that where, you know, like even on Digital Ear, we bought a Google Apps. Uh, it's running on the same credit card. It's connected to the uh, Google My Business stuff. I've established that I'm a real business inside of Google um, by using those services. Am I suggesting you go out and do it? Honest, honest, no. I didn't see any rankings boost from it. Uh, you know, my ad click didn't go down. Uh, they're still charging me for my Google Apps thing, you know, my paid Gmail stuff. So uh, it's not really going to benefit you in any way, uh, in my opinion, uh, in so much other than just to kind of establish you, help establish you or build that, you know, that trust factor uh, with the company, whether or not all that stuff is interconnected in, into the algorithms, which I highly doubt uh, anyway, but it does establish trust. So when you're looking at manual reviews or talking to them, then maybe that'll help you out a little bit. Number three, likes, shares, plus ones, and treats of your web pages don't count. Uh, likes plus ones plus ones we've seen correlated for some keywords and then other keywords they don't those are you know they each each one of those plus ones generates depending on the settings that the user has could generate a possible backlink inside of the google uh google uh google plus so uh, a share inside of google plus generates its own unique link a share inside of Facebook generates its own unique, unique link, especially if it's on a profile or page, and those two matter. Uh, Google's not indexing the individual posts and stuff for the most part, but they are looking at the pages, and they are indexing the pages, so it's a backlink. So I kind of agree with this, and then I don't. Again, not all shares and plus ones are equal. Uh, if you have really good, uh, you know, the, the platforms, the people that are sharing it or driving traffic, uh to you through those shares that's way better than just having the share counts but again it's on a case-by-case -case basis especially for the plus ones where again we've seen sites that correlate where the the top you know the page the first page is correlation uh again correlation is not causation but you know you can pretty much if it's correlating then why not do it right so plus ones have been have shown in some specific keywords to actually uh to matter so or to be a thing so i would do it again uh software tools we've tried those they used to work a lot better than they do now um we've bought in social shares and we just let it do manually uh, not really see much of the difference other than, you know, like, like I said before, plus ones creates a backlink, shares create a backlink on Facebook, uh, and tweets create backlinks on Twitter. So, you know, can you go out and buy a whole bunch of them and have it make a difference? I don't think so. It really depends on the power of the account, the people, the, the traffic that comes through and all that stuff. So that's a, it's not a myth busted uh, but it's a it's plausible let's put it that way <laughs> number four is uh rate your bounce rate on your site or your time on site raw bounce rate is what they put it or time on site uh if your traffic is not coming from the search engines and it's coming from your referral traffic and your other backlinks and stuff uh, i don't see that the bounce rate really matters uh, we've manipulated it with code you can you can get it down to almost zero if you want to it's not going to increase your rankings i think what the really the thing is the bounce from the search you go to the, you get a click from the search and then they bounce right back to the search because your site's not related google's going to notice that uh, so that might you know that could can could be a factor um, but you know not always so i think it's you know really you just want to look at bounce rate you want to get it below 65 percent just to say that you're providing 
good content. Uh, you're providing what people want to, to read and see. If you have a landing page, though, and your bounce rate is 98%, well, guess what? It's kind of expected because it's a landing page, and it has a specific goal to get them off of that page and sign up for X, Y, and Z. Uh, so uh, I, I see where bounce rate from the search could be a factor, uh, but I don't see bounce rate on the entire site being a factor. It, it's just so much data to correlate, so many users on the internet, so many websites. There's no, I, I feasibly, the, the processing power of computers would have to be crazy in order to do that for every website. So it's not just not a feasible metric, in my opinion. Uh, number five is the tech on your sites hood. We've tested this. It basically, you know, HTML errors, React.net errors, etc. If Google can read the code, then it's then you're good. Uh, they don't really care about it for the rest of it. If they can't read it, they can't figure out what your website's about, then it's going to affect you. But if they can read it, and you but you still have all those W3C errors and all that other stuff, Google doesn't care. Uh, we've tested that with the search intelligence agency. We tested it on our on our own. It's not a factor. Uh, number six, having or not having knowledge paddle site links for your brand name. Site links again, you can get them for ads, but you can also have that pop up when you search for your brand, and then get home name contacts and all that other stuff. But just because Google's giving it to you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get increased ranks. It does give you an indication that they're starting to trust you a little bit more, especially if you. Uh, you know, if they do it on their own. So I would consider that a plus because it's more opportunities you know that your branding is on, on point, um, but it's not going to help you ranking for your money terms unless your money term is just your brand, and then there you go, you increase your click-through rate. Uh, number seven is shared hosting and inexpensive hosting options. I hate shared hosting uh, it's because... For most websites, especially if you're going to do a lot of content, make a lot of edits and stuff, you're for your local business, uh, and you just kind of kind of want to keep your cost down. You don't plan on blogging and doing all that stuff, and you're just going to make a five-page website that just sits there and collects phone numbers for you. Hopefully, uh, then share hosting is fine, but for the most part, it's unsecured. Uh, if you get hacked, they're going to charge you ungodly amounts of money to get it fixed. Uh, even if you can prove that the hack is crossing uh, not through your individual website, but it's crossing through the server, uh, they're still going to charge you for it uh, to, to get it fixed. So, um, But in the end, as, as it relates to your rankings, unless if your website is slow, then it's going to affect your rankings. Uh, but other than that, Google doesn't care what kind of host you're on. So uh, as a page speed nut, we go with liquid web. We recommend that to everybody, uh, but because their servers are quick uh, and we're they're reliable uh, and the customer support is awesome. So, uh, but I'll, I'll never use another shared hosting account again. Uh, let's see. Use defaults. Google already assumes. So it, basically if you're using meta robots, and you put follow index. It doesn't matter because it's follow index already, unless you put no follow, no index. Uh, XML sitemaps importance changing the that doesn't matter by default. It's all you know. It's all they're gonna do what they do unless you change it and tell it to slow down. You slower the importance level. Uh, but by default, it's all number one, uh, and then all links are follow unless you put no follow. Uh, so if you add all that other stuff, it's just you know really just kind of bloating out your code. It's not really helping you in your rankings. Uh, and it won't prove an index. Uh, character separators, we used a little dot. Some people use lines, dashes, you use semicolons. Google doesn't care. It, it reads the brand, the keyword, and then the phrase behind the separator. Uh, it doesn't read the separator. And then H1s versus H2s versus H3s. Here's where this one comes in. I get what Rand is saying. He's saying that it doesn't matter if you have H1 versus H2 versus H3. Like there's some WordPress themes, for example, where developers don't use H1 as your for your title. Uh, they use H2. Is it the end of the world? I Grant says there is no difference between using H1 and H2, but we've seen testing where the H1 outranks the H2. Uh, we've seen testing where the H2 outranks the H3. Uh, so it, I think it does. In single variable testing, we've 
I believe that it does. So you should have H1, you should have H2, H3, and H4 in all of your content. And that should be optimized in a specific way. Uh, I go over that in the on-page optimization guide, and we're going to do some videos and some training on that too, kind of boost the understanding of that. But you need to leverage those because it's this is the topic, H1, and here's the subtopic, and here's the subtopics underneath those subtopics, which is H2, 3, and 4. Uh, so you should leverage those. Google, Rand says it doesn't matter. Those are only CSS, but you know our single variable testing and our real world testing experience and using these and using the different uh, tags is tells us different. That said, let's say your blog is has uh, H2s and you're not a coder. You don't want to hire anyone to change it. Then just leave it to H2s. Is it gonna is it gonna be a end of the world thing for you probably not unless you have a really high competitive market and every little bit counts uh, then you want to go ahead and look into getting those changed but for the most part you can leave it at h2 and i think you're going to be okay uh, so that is that for that video uh, we're staying over at Moz's how to prioritize seo tests and there's actually a wordpress or an excel spreadsheet that goes along with this if you don't read the post, come and get at least get the spreadsheet. I think it's pretty cool, and interesting, kind of get the brain juices flowing. But uh, some things that they go over: start with the end of mind, identify important pages for conversions. You should do that anyway, uh, you should, as a part of you know, hey, this page is working, awesome. Let's make sure that it's there, and if it's not working, then kind of figure out why. Four four errors again; those are normal on normal sites, but if pages are just broken that might be something else that you want to look at and then time management stuff uh, and reporting and communications that's you, you know basically as an seo you can get dug into the weeds and if you don't have a set structure or things that you're going to look at uh, you can chase rabbit holes all day long it's one of the beauties of seo is you kind of just don't know all the time what's working and what's not so you can you, you dig into that and dig into it. And when you're looking at client work uh, specifically, you need to have a plan and, a, and an outline and an agenda of what you're going to do to kind of prioritize that. That way you get out the, the big winners and, and hide the rest. Uh, let's see. MarketingExperiments.com is the next one. Is Marketing is not about making claims. It's about fostering conclusions. This is an A-B testing example. It's actually pretty cool. It takes, you know, that real typical salesy uh, sales letter and then compares it against one that's not so much just stating facts and doing away with all the sales mumbo-jumbo. And the ones without sales mumbo-jumbo actually converted 34% more uh, than uh, the relative difference. So they only converted 1%, 1.1% more than the control, but that relative difference is significant, especially when you're talking about uh, dollars and cents and high dollar products or maybe even a recurring subscription product like the example here i like these uh, because it gives you ideas of what you can do for your copy if you have you, you know you just have this hang up and you don't like being salesy well this says that that salesy kind of stuff particularly in this market uh, is not uh, what works what works is just stating the facts as they are on the product and then that's converting so um, check out this site specifically this page and i think you're going to enjoy it I, i'm going to keep coming back to this site from now on it's actually they're doing some really good marketing tests and then we're going to close it out with bright edge seo's blog and ranking for multiple keywords at once i'm very very careful when i talk about these posts because ranking for multiple keywords at once is a is a uh, it's the, the, the benefit Google gives you for writing really good content and optimizing it in a certain way. So when I talked about those H tags, for instance, on the other post, my target keyword is the H1 tag. And then my second uh, H2 and H3s are actually related search terms. And then I go back to my target keyword for my H4 tag. What it's doing is I'm now, because that those H tags have those related keywords, I'm ranking also ranking for those related terms. Uh, and they're also pulling out rankings for the other ones. So that's how you actually rank for multiple terms. Do not, again, do not optimize your pages for more than one term. 
because that one term is, is what your keyword research told you is this is my money term. These were all related, but they're not going to get me the sales that this money term gives me. So you optimize for your, your main term and, and then you build and you add the, the extra do the extra checks like the h1 the h tags trick i just told you are adding lsis and all that stuff to your really good content which you know basically if you're writing content about for example for example on page seo you're going to say terms that lsi does because you're writing a good piece about on page seo uh so it's you know it's not really something that you want to get down in the rabbit hole for a lot of people brag, oh, I read multiple pages, it's, and that's all fine and dandy, uh, but it wasn't that they added all these other keywords that helped them out, it's that because they did a good job of putting those keywords or those terms in the right places inside of their content, and it was related, and Google rewarded them for doing that. So don't intentionally go out and try to rank for multiple keywords. Rank for one, and then add that other stuff to increase usability and understanding of what you're actually talking about and Google will reward you for it. And this blog actually goes into that and just talks about some monthly searches uh, and then branded traffic. And basically what they did is they changed the name from brand from Ollie's Cod Bar and then added shrimp. And then Google said, oh, look, they're a shrimp bar too. So then they started ranking them for not only for shrimp, but also calamari. Uh, which is, you know, another name for shrimp. It's a, you know, it's a version of shrimp, right? So um, that's the, the real highlight here. So I think you, you know, take it out, take it for what it is, and just kind of learn about how to inject related terms in the right places inside of your content to help Google decide that your stuff is good enough to rank for multiple terms. Uh, but don't specifically go out trying to rank multiple terms in the shrimp calamari example all they did was add squid or yeah shrimp yeah what did they do it was squid uh they added squid to the brand name and then they started ranking for calamari um yeah i read that wrong earlier so i said shrimp but it's squid so they added squid but they didn't add calamari anywhere in the content uh, and they still saw uh their rankings come from the calamari insurance uh, in this example. So look at it, check it out, and then kind of understand what it means to actually be able to rank for multiple keywords at once versus all those lazy people that are telling you to optimize your one piece of content for multiple words. So if you try to be everything to everyone, you're going to be nothing to everyone. So um, just kind of there, there's my warning there and my stance on ranking for multiple keywords. All right, that's it. Uh, SEO This Week, episode 51. I know it's a long one, but I hope the AdWords stuff uh, was really insightful for you. I hope my uh, uh, deep dive into the Moz video uh, really helped you out and figure those points. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of that content, and I appreciate you listening. Again, if you uh, want to get updates on when the SEO This Week comes out, sign up for the email list, sign up for get the download for the on-page SEO guide. Or, uh, you know, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, we'd appreciate that, too. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great week.